Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has daubed red over Manchester with wins against Jose Mourinho's Tottenham and Pep Guardiola's Manchester City. It's arguably the best week of Solskjaer's time in charge as he nears his one-year anniversary as United boss. It's evidence as to why he is the right man for United. We're talking about both of those impressive wins, certain players including an unstoppable Rashford, an informed Fred and Scott McTominay. Plus we have our youth loan and women's roundup as always on the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Before I begin, I'm going to have to apologise for a slightly ropey voice, which is, uh, I think we can say, is a direct result of a, a pretty large Saturday evening um, in, at the Etihad. But Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Reds take it to City and win. A, a brilliant performance and I think vindication for the support he has received. There's a, a, a clear connection between fans, players and manager and that only goes so far. But two wins against Spurs, Mourinho's informed Tottenham and Manchester City is is exactly what Solskjaer needed. And I remember you saying last week that you were starting to to be less sure in in Solskjaer's capabilities and his future. Does this have any sway over that at all? Yeah, I think it has to. I mean, the best week of, of his United tenure, even when we were doing so well that we didn't have a week like this. But I mean, for, I think for now, honestly, for, forget forget the big picture. As United fans, we 
have gone through a lot of a lot of shit in the last few years, and I think we deserve just for a week at, or at least to forget the big picture and just enjoy what what is a, an amazing week for this football club. Two very very good performances against two very good sides that has completely changed the mood around around Manchester United. Especially the City performance was just I think the best performance we've had under Solskjaer not just since he's been permanent manager but at all we were just talking before the podcast started about whether this tops PSG yeah and I think the performance definitely tops PSG because it was a much more deserved win than PSG was the you know the that game in Paris was a great win but ultimately born out of quite a lot of luck to to stay in the game yeah and I think that first half performance, especially against City, was scintillating. And I think if you've got Roy Keane saying it was a proper United performance, <laughs> you know, then you know you've done something like, something well. I, I saw a couple of people, and I'm I'm tempted to agree with this that that was perhaps the best half of football from United. That first half where we scored twice since Sir Alex Ferguson. In terms of the opposition, the way that United's defence and midfield nullified that attacking threat of of Silver, Sterling, De Bruyne. And Jesus, and in terms of the the sheer quality and speed of the counter attacking football, was was a, a whole team effort because it's it's not just down to the pace of of Marcus Rashford and Dan James, who we'll go on to talk about. It's not just the movement of Anthony Martial, but it's also the fact that Aaron Bissaka was winning the ball back and managing to keep it after a tackle, and then passing it into McTominay, who would look ahead to his wingers to Fred. And those two played fantastically. It was the fact that Maguire and Lindelof at the back did very well in terms of getting the ball and, and playing it quickly out because you had this contrast where both United and City were trying to play out from the back and City have their way of doing it patiently, breaking teams down and that's what they started to do in the second half and perhaps if the game had gone on for another 10 minutes it would have been a, a 2-2 draw. But United were getting out instantly as soon as they won the ball back and it ended up in just this this constant menacing attack of James Rashford and Martial and United could have could have led by four or five goals by half time and that was that was the big difference from the way that we set up in big games under under Mourinho is that realistically the way the way we set up defensively isn't that different you know we look to to sit relatively deep soak up pressure and play on the counter-attack however the big big difference is the intent with which we counterattacked against City and to be fair against Spurs as well. Because the, the the problem under Mourinho is that we'd win the ball back and then we'd look to have five, ten minutes spells of possession. And like, we just weren't good enough for that. And then we'd end up losing the ball and straight away we'd be straight back on the defensive and we wouldn't actually end up making use of the good counterattacking players that we have. What was so great about this game against City was as soon as we got the ball, you'd see McTominay or Fred, whoever it was, instantly be looking to get the ball forward and get us moving yeah. uh, forward as quickly as possible. And realistically, I mean, we could have been and maybe should have been 3-4-0 up by half time. There were yeah. so many chances, so many brilliant counter-attacks that were sprung from defence into attack so, so quickly. And, you know, I, it was just a, a scintillating performance. Every single time we went forward, we looked like we were going to score. Marcus Rashford was fantastic. Daniel James was brilliant. Yeah. Martial's movement was great. His work rate was better than usual. Was and even Lingard as well. Credit to him because he won't get much attention in the aftermath of this game. But his role no, yeah. in that was was so important for us. Yeah, his his pressure and his stamina was. I think his his stamina as a United player is he he, he kind of fulfills that same role as as Ji Sung Park did often. Is that constantly putting yeah. pressure on the opposition, and it just seems to have more energy than most of the other players, and, and seems to be able to do it consistently. United outran City on Saturday despite having 
24 hours less recovery time from the, the midweek win against Spurs. It's impressive levels of, of fitness and, and, and desire. Um, and sometimes football comes down to that, but also this was a, a clever tactical performance from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and that's not something we've seen that many times. In big games, he has come up with the goods, and this was where United didn't press too high up the pitch. They kind of sat back with McTominay and Fred, who would win the ball back, protect the defence, but because they allowed City to come into the final third, United's defensive structure was, was pretty solid. McTominay and Fred sitting in front of that back four, and it meant that when City got to the final third, they really had to work for it. And they, they weren't at their best. And that was because of how United played. So it was a, a good tactical performance from Solskjaer. Um, and and it, it was a game of, of massive promise. It was an entire team performance. And it, it, it continues this, this crazy season where we've beaten Chelsea, Spurs, Leicester and City. We've the only team to take a point off Liverpool. And yet we've lost to Palace, West Ham, Newcastle and Bournemouth. So... The, the challenge for United, as we've said in the past, is to go on and now beat the small teams. But this is another big game where Solskjaer has shown that he is actually, and, and we've criticised him for this, that as a football manager, he has some things which he's very good he at. Does, yeah, he has proved that. And uh, the big game record is, I mean, it's un- unparalleled really, in, in uh, especially for United managers in the last five or six years. I mean, I, I think the one... The one sort of caveat to that is that this team does set up very well for these kind of games. Counter-attacking is what this team is built for. It's where the strengths lie. And obviously that does come into play much more against bigger teams because they're much more likely to come out and want to dominate the ball against us. But regardless of that, the way that we use that counter-attacking strength against City was sublime. And it takes a lot of very good planning to be able to take advantage of a team's weakness like that. I think... Dan James on on uh, Angelino, uh, City's left back, was an inspired decision because he ran him ragged all game. And that was clearly the weak spot of City. You know, that left left back spot and uh, the two centre-backs, that was always going to be City's weak spot. And so we had to get the ball moving forward quickly. And we did exactly that. And you saw the lift yeah. that uh, I think it was Dan James who had like our first our first real attack. And our, uh, he had our first shot of the game after we counter-attacked. Martial had the ball on the left wing, it ends up going out to James on the right and, and Edison made a decent save. And you could see instantly the, the impact that that had on everyone, that the yeah. energy was up. It just puts an extra spring in your step because I think from two minutes in, there was real belief within this United team that we could get at City and we could win that game. And after that, you saw every single player was five, every single boy yeah. was sprinting all over the place. And I know we, we always say that, you know, passion and determination and desire is such overused <laughs> terms but there is something to it yeah. and I think in situations like that when you see your team come out when you're such big underdogs and after two minutes you're instantly on the front foot and you can see that the opposition is vulnerable it gives you a lift and it does make you work just that little little bit harder yeah Scott Matomine came out after the game and said that the the game plan for United was to have a, a ridiculously good first 30 minutes and to go out there and get a couple of goals because United now know that as a counter-attacking team, they're good enough to score two against the best teams in the country, against the champions of England, who Manchester City are. Now, to then defend that lead has, has sometimes been a problem. Against Liverpool, it was a problem. That was only one goal, but United ended up drawing. Against Arsenal, it was a problem. Um, against Chelsea in the League Cup, United had to then get the second goal after after a very good start, and then Chelsea equalised, and United had to find a second. But United know as a counter-attacking team that they can do that. So, 
Solskjaer's game plan worked well. Let's, let, let, let's talk about a couple of individual players. I mean, we could talk about every player in the side and, and praise their performance. But the few, the first one I want to pick out is Marcus Rashford, who 10th league goal of the season against City, um, has 13 in his past 14 for club and country. Another big game where he's turned up. And in the context of, of the week as a whole, we're talking about the City game here, but also two goals against Spurs. And his game against Spurs was probably the, the best attacking performance. I, I might say the best individual attacking performance I've seen from a United player in, in two or three years. Um, he was really, really good. And for an opposition fan and a player, absolutely terrifying. Um, the youngest player across Europe's top five leagues to score 10 goals this season and just has this constant sense of, of menace about him. I can't imagine trying to defend against this player who is not only technically brilliant now, but has added who looks like a, a seriously elite level striker in terms of how how much he's bulked up, how quick he is now, is a terrifying prospect. He is a terrifying prospect. And I tweeted just before the second goal that forget Martial, forget Pogba, this is Marcus Rashford's team. This is Marcus Rashford's Manchester United team. It, it is his team now and it's his team moving forward. I don't care how much we, we can praise Pogba in the past and how much we said he's the most important player in this team and he is still so very important to yeah. us but Marcus Rashford is the talisman for this team he is the only player that you see really as that sort of talismanic figure who has the ability to galvanize his teammates and and make make everyone believe and he is the difference maker now i'm not i'm not saying Marcus Rashford is a world class player he's not he's not yet but he, if he keeps up this form he could be and he is the one player that you look at in this team and you think he can make a difference at any given moment. And it's not always going to be a, a consistent linear path like we've seen in the last few weeks. He's going to have dips and he's going to have moments where he, he goes on bad runs. But I think the, the amount that he creates for us and the, what he's added to this game, his game this season, with a much better end yeah. product and actually becoming a clinical finisher adds so much to his game. And if he keeps that up, pretty much the sky's the limit for Marcus Rashford going forward because he is a scary, scary prospect when prospect when he's running at defenders. Yeah, and of course, as you say, he will have these these dips in forms. He he still remains he's I think he's twenty two years old and, and thirty eight days or something. This is a player who were had he not burst onto the scene, some players, Harry Kane, for example, would break through into their first team at twenty two, twenty three. Jesse Lingard, for example, even though he gets a lot of hate. But Rashford is is has scored more than 50 goals for United. I've said this so many times, has played in, in all kinds of semi-finals, finals, won trophies. He's got everything about him to be an icon at Manchester United because he is this, this Withenshaw-born uh, Manchester United fan who came, joined the club at, at six, seven or eight, who was uh, trained under, um, who played under some, some United legends, who got advice from United legends like Rooney, Ronaldo and others. And has now come into the team, and and I it's interesting what you said at the very start there that this is Marcus Rashford's United team. About an hour before we started recording this, I I submitted a, an article on exactly that theme that no matter how much United spend, eighty nine million on Pogba, eighty million on Harry Maguire, thirty six million on Anthony Martial a few years ago, it doesn't matter because this is now Marcus Rashford's United team. He is the he is the main man. He's the man that drags United forward in games against Spurs and games against City. Um, and in games against smaller opposition as well. And he's scoring regularly and on that left side, which has, has changed this season. So uh, thank God that Solskjaer has finally stuck with that. Um, he's a, a really, really good footballer. 
and one of the best in the Premier League. And actually, a, a, a bit of praise for Oligan Solskjaer as well, because when Anthony Martial was ruled out of the Tottenham game, it would have been, I think I expected, not that I hoped, Rashford to be put back in, in the centre and for him to put Mason Greenwood out wide or even Andreas Pereira or someone else or to change the formation. But instead, Solskjaer stuck with it, put Greenwood, the 18-year-old, at centre forward, kept Rashford in his best position on the left. And I think player and coach and England manager and all the fans and the rest of the players have now accepted that Rashford is a, a left forward and one of the best in that position. Absolutely. There is no question about that in my mind now. I mean, we've said for a long time that that's where his best position is and that it should be Martial up top and Rashford coming off the left. And I think that that debate has been put to bed now. And and like you said, unless injury crisis is so bad that we have no choice, I think every effort should be made to keep Rashford in that position. And that's not to say that he's going to hug the touchline for for 90 minutes. That's not the kind of player that he is. But coming off that left wing, he is so, so dangerous. As you as as I said, the the way he runs at defenders puts the fear of God into them. He, he's so hard to defend when he's running at you because he's so quick and he's added so much strength to his um, frame as well in the last couple of years. But he also has that ability to come inside to link up with other people, and also he has that rifle of a right foot to put in uh, an effort on goal whenever. So he's so hard to defend because he can do it, he can do it all. He can go down the line, he can cut inside, he can shoot, he can pass. And it is so tough to defend when you don't know which way a player is going to be going. He's added that end product to his game that we've long said is really the last piece of the puzzle that's missing for him. But I think his football brain and the, his movement off the ball is yeah. what sets him apart at the moment. And it, I think if he, especially if he can keep up this level of end product, the sky is pretty much the limit for Marcus Rashford. And after a year or so of, I think, not really progressing that much, and we criticised him quite a lot on this podcast, for especially I have, for not really improving very much. I think now we're starting to see the coming of age of Marcus Rashford. And like you said, it's easy to forget how young he still is because he's been around for, what is this, his fifth season now in the United first team? Yeah. But at 22 years of age, I think he is starting to come of age and he's starting to become the player that we all thought he could be. Yeah. And I, I just to say, yeah, I, I was pleased that Solskjaer seems to have accepted that it doesn't matter if Martial is not fit. Rashford is the man on the left. And that's why when the lineup was announced for the Spurs game, the, the bit I was most happy about was not anyone else starting, not anyone else being dropped, but the fact that Rashford was kept and, and Green was put up front. Aaron Bissaka now, silenced Sterling, Silver, De Bruyne, anyone who came up against him whenever they came over to his side on that right flank. The timing of the tackle he has is is difficult to believe. It's so good and so consistent. He's straightforward at times and did contribute to counter-attacks, partly because when he wins it back, as I said earlier, he's composed with it and plays it out. Doesn't provide the, the killer pass or, or great crosses, but he can help start counters, which is what this United team is about. And his, his role in that defence is particularly against City, was was so, so good. It's one of the best defensive performances from a fullback I've seen. It really was, because I think the level of, of difficulty in the in the performance was as high as you could possibly get up against Sterling, with Silva also coming down that side to create overloads. And the movement that City have is so difficult to defend, especially as someone playing in his first Manchester derby. That's not it's a very unenviable position to be put in. And yet... He dealt with it so well. I think Sterling got past him once right at the beginning of the game and you thought, oh God, this could be a long a long day for, for Wan-Bissaka. But he fixed up and after that he contained Sterling brilliantly. I mean, I've never seen anyone time tackles so well as him. And it, it, 
partly, you know, all the stats of, about how many tackles he makes and how many tackles he wins are as good as they are can can be a slight worry because you think you'd rather see his position and get a little better to not have to put in so many last ditch tackles. But I mean, you can't argue with the way that the the rate at which he he wins those uh, wins those tackles, the rate at which he wins the ball back, it is quite sublime yeah. to watch at times the way that he goes into tackles and and how good he is at winning those ball back balls back. It's a, I criticised him a little bit on Twitter and the sorry, go on. It's it's, it's an art form. Like the, the it's it's different from scoring goals, but the the way he defends is is, is really good to watch. And it's it's a throwback. It, it's a massive throwback. I think you know so much defending now has moved to a more almost tactical basis of, of it's all, all about positioning and trying to play offside a lot more. And, and that sort of art of tackling in one-on-one situations has gone out the window to some degree. And I think you see Wan-Bissaka as a, a, a huge throwback in that regard. I did, I criticised him on Twitter a little bit in yeah. the second half because as you said, in the first half, he was very good on the ball, just not trying to do too much, realising his own limitations and, and sort of just shipping the ball as quickly as possible to McTominay or Fred or Lingard. Uh, and trying to get us on the counter attack as quickly as he could in the second half, it was a, it was a real problem. The limitations on the ball because there were four or five times just from half time to sort of seventieth minute where we'd win the we we'd win the ball back usually through him to be fair, but then instantly the ball would be given away or there's a couple of times from goal kicks when it would go to Lindelof and then out to Wembasaka and instantly the ball would be lost and it would come straight back at us. And in situations like that, that can really hurt hurt us because we're under the cosh and we need we need some respite. But in the end, it didn't come back to haunt us. And as someone quite rightly re- responded to my tweet, it's worth it when you have the best defensive right back in England. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Fred as well, possibly his best performance in the United shirt. Um, we we didn't record after Spurs, so even after Spurs, I was I was slightly sceptical. I thought he was I thought he had a really good game, but I thought he still showed his weaknesses by gifting them possession against City. He was almost faultless, and this is a, a sign of. Uh, an improvement of having Scott McTominay next to him, of his confidence, some good passes forward, broke up the play fantastically, protected Maguire and Lindelof well, and dealt with with both racist abuse and, and coins being thrown at him and, and lighters and all sorts. So you could tell at the end when he came over, he, w- he was personally buzzing, but the, the reintroduction of Scott McTominay after injury has helped him and his confidence is he's now looking potentially like a, a Man United midfielder. I wonder, I wonder if having to play alongside Pereira for a, a month or so and, and sort of being thrust into that role and having a bit more responsibility put on his shoulders may end up really helping Fred in the long run. Because as bad as our midfield was yeah. for a lot of that stretch, I think it it has kind of shown him what he needs to do to make it at Manchester United. And uh, that sounds strange, you know, you think he should know that already, but I think it, sometimes it takes being put in a bad situation to be able to understand a little bit more what the issue is and how you can improve when you're alongside better players. As you said, I think the introduction of Scott McTominay cannot be underestimated in both against uh, Spurs and City. I thought he was fantastic. The way he drives this team forward is is brilliant. He really is the engine room of, of, of the team. I know it's such a cliche, but I've rarely seen a player epitomise yeah. that that term of engine room of a team better than, than McTominay. And I yeah. think it massively helped Fred because it just gives everyone a bit of calmness around them. And with, I mean, without a doubt, Fred's best performance in the United shirt against City. With I mean, he, as you said, there was almost faultless. It was I don't remember him giving the ball away. He he still seems quite frenetic on the ball. And I think that's just his style to be a little bit, yeah, I guess, frenetic and just everything looks very quick and a little bit rushed. But when he was actually on the ball, he he was much more composed than normal. 
It wasn't trying to force things. It was none of this stupid giving the ball away on the halfway line every five minutes. And defensively, and to be fair to Fred, I think this season, even in his bad games, defensively has probably been the best aspect of his game. He just seems to always be there. He's not yeah. a great defender in the way that Juan Bissaka is. He's not a great tackler or anything. But he's just always about, he's sort of always buzzing around at people's ankles. Yeah, his, his reading of the game has been very good. Yeah, and, and that against City was just what we needed. Yeah, to just to break break their play up because... And then, and then when Andreas Pereira came on, you could tell that Solskjaer had thought, well, we need to break it up by just <laughs> committing some fouls. And you saw Pereira just absolutely launch a, a kick into Sterling's direction. So <laughs> well, I, I think Pereira was quite lucky not to get a red card for that tackle as yeah. well. I know it was just a sort of a cynical trip from behind, but he sort of went at him with both feet there. He did. He, it was a it was a strong challenge, you would you would say. Um, McTominay, who you mentioned, um, celebrated his, his 23rd birthday on Sunday in the aftermath of, of that Derby win. Vital for Fred, as we said, improves him. But Matomani himself is is good on the ball. He initiates those counterattacks quickly, which is what United need. And he has the the physical presence and attitude that is needed at United very quickly. But I I was in I think the third row of the away end, uh, a three tier away end. But I was in the third row of tier one, so a really weird view where you were basically below the players. But as as the players came over at the end, I pointed at Scott Matomani and tried to get his attention. And then he eventually looked over and we kind of just celebrated together. He clenched his fist at me and my brother tapped Harry Maguire on the shoulder and, and they both did the same. And this is why there's that connection there for, for fans that just hasn't existed over the past few years. And a whole, a whole team, and this is particularly relevant for McTominay, that you feel is, is committed to United at the moment. You didn't get the same with, with Falcao, Di Maria, Schweinsteiger, Schneiderlin, and even Mkhitaryan, Alexis or whoever. Whereas now from fans, players, the manager... There is some quality, but also that genuine connection. Epitomises everything that you want from a Manchester United player. He really does. Came into the team under a lot of criticism from fans, really before he'd even stepped foot on the pitch, just because he wasn't a particularly exciting prospect. And at, and at, at the time was playing in a quite toxic period for Man United. And I think came to be someone that represented everything that people hated about the Mourinho era as someone who wasn't that talented and was and was in there mainly to be sort of a workmanlike performer. But his improvement, I think I, I I can't really get over how much he has improved in the last three years since he first came into the team because I don't think anyone really expected Scott McTominay to be a regular first team player when he first came into the United side. I'm sure there were a few people who who have always liked him and maybe thought he might have a role as a squad player. But I don't think anyone could have envisaged the way that he's improved like this because there wasn't there was no real indication. Yeah. And since the end of last season, after the Manumatic started to just put in un- unfathomably bad performances, <laughs> well, McTominay has come in and he's done absolutely brilliantly. Every single week you can rely on him. He's the most dependable player on the pitch. You know what you're going to get from Scott McTominay. And and that is the best thing you can you can ask for a midfielder. And yeah. like I said, the engine room really does sum him up to the the best way possible. He drives this team forward every single time. You can see he is the one being the leader on the pitch, organising everyone around him. He's pushing us forward. And, he, and his role in our attacking game against City should not be underestimated. It was very simple passes most of the time, but just the speed with which he was getting the ball up to Lingard, Rashford, James, Martial was exactly what we needed and ultimately is what set yeah. up our opportunities to go and counter-attack. Yeah, and at the back, David De Gea looks back to... Probably his best, some big saves. Um, United replaced his, his goalkeeping coach in the summer. Emilio Alvarez left after Solskjaer brought in 
a, a guy called Richard Hartis to kind of work alongside Alvarez, but it basically ended up forcing Emilio Alvarez out. Um, it, I, I don't want to make accusations, but Alvarez and, and De Gea were close friends and it's possible that they got complacent together um, and just a new goalkeeping coach has kind of revived things for De Gea and, and he looked good against City and was important, some big saves. So and a, another positive. And you could see after the game what it meant to him, that the embrace with Solskjaer, it's the most I've seen David De Gea invested in, in United for a long time. Yeah. It, you could kind of sense at the end of last season that not only was his confidence shot, but he didn't really want to be at be there. I, I don't know. I, I don't mean that as in he didn't want to be a Man United player, but I think he, his mind was just elsewhere. He didn't. Re- he didn't want to be involved in these kind of games, and he's come back this season and he looks pretty much back to his best. Some brilliant saves. The, the one against Fromares in particular was a great yeah. save against City. Didn't have as much to do as you might expect in yeah. a game against Man City when they're chasing the game because we defended so well. But everything that he did have to do, he did well. And you just feel a lot more confident finally having him back there. Kind of how we have done for the last few years. You feel like you've always got a lifeline. United's first team beat Spurs on Wednesday. The under-21s were knocked out of the EFL trophy. They travelled to Tranmere Rovers' Prenton Park, and despite a good performance from Tahith Chong, as he scored twice in the first half, United were beaten 3-2. Hepburn, Murphy, Jennings and Taylor got the goals for Tranmere in a game disrupted by serious injuries, including one to United's Reese Devine, so best wishes to him. Those injuries meant there was a huge amount of added time, which saw Deji Satona sent off in the 17th minute of injury time. After we record this a few hours after, United's under-23s play West Brom in the league at home. The under-18 suffered a second consecutive defeat in the under-18 Premier League. Stoke City scored three times. Deji Satona grabbed a goal for United to equalise in the 31st minute, but Stoke pulled away through Ireland and Godreen. The big game coming up for United is in the FA Youth Cup third round where they play Lincoln City. I'll be commentating on that game, so tune into Live Sports FM for commentary on Friday night from 6.30pm as United host Lincoln City in the FA Youth Cup at Lee Sports Village. Casey Stoney's United's women's side ensured it was a good weekend all round with a 3-1 win against Everton in the Women's Super League. Lauren James scored twice, first to equalise for United in just the fourth minute. Everton had gone ahead after two minutes, but James's strike came and then an 11th minute penalty from Katie's element. It was 2-1 almost immediately after kickoff. James then got another in the 45th minute to continue her incredible scoring prowess. United now play Birmingham on Wednesday in the FA WSL Cup, away from home in Solihull, the 7.30 kickoff. Right, Thursday night, as at Alkmaar, uh, the youth to play again, you would suspect United already qualified into their Europa League group. Brandon Williams and Mason Greenwood are almost certain to come back in. I would start James Garner and Dylan Levitt in midfield as well. Twanzebe in defence, Ethan Laird, I'd give another go, or even potentially Diogo Dallo, who has finally a- appears to have finally returned from injury. So it should be another young United side. A win would be good, so I suspect Solskjaer might go with a, a couple more senior players than he did in Kazakhstan. And as they're a, a better team than Astana as well. But I think we should see four, five, six young players in there again. And it, it should be a good evening at Old Trafford and, and a celebration uh, of the the 3,999th 3, game in a row 
with a academy graduate in the match day squad. So on on that occasion, the game before the four thousands, it should be a good evening for the academy. Yeah, I'd expect a, a slightly more senior team than what we saw against Astana. Not only because RZ are a better team, but also because you know we kind of need to win this game to top the group, and RZ are only two points behind us. It's not vital that we win the group, but it would help a lot with our path through in the knockout stages. So I'd expect a few more senior players, maybe um, maybe Jesse Lingard to play again, although he's probably knackered after uh, after the weekend. Um, but I think it should be a very youthful team again, and rightly so. You know, I think definitely James Garner, Dylan Levitt, Twan Davies should all, all be getting a start. Brandon Williams should be coming back in at left back. I'm excited to see what they can do because I think despite the result, there were positive signs against Astana and this is a great test for them. RZ are not world beaters by any stretch of the imagination, but they're a good side. They play yeah. neat football. So it'd be a good test for the youngsters. As you said, it and should it's, be... It's slightly different to play at Old Trafford rather than in in, in a roofed stadium in Kazakhstan as well. It's, it's, it's more kind of preparation for the Premier League than an away trip to Kazakhstan. Absolutely. It? And it's a much more special moment for for them as players as well, to have the opportunity to come out at Old Trafford. You know, I can't imagine what it must feel like for them walking out and, and playing at Old Trafford, the place that, you know, they've probably dreamed of for, for years. So it's a, it'll be a really special moment for them. And, and I just hope they give a good account of themselves. I think, uh, as you said, it should be a pretty cel- celebratory atmosphere after the City and Spurs games. And despite the fact that this will pretty much be a completely different team to that which played against City, I think a win would be very important just to keep up this momentum. I tweeted after the game and I, I, I said, I, I don't want to get too far into the future. I want to just enjoy this week. But the real challenge now for United and for Solskjaer is how do you kick on from this? Not only are they two massive results in the last week, but yeah. our first back-to-back Premier League wins of the season, which is great. But if we then go back and you know lose to RZ and then lose our upcoming Premier League games, not... Not that it wasn't for anything, because it still is a brilliant result in isolation. But yeah, what's really changed, you know? And so you have to make the yeah, most of this that, opportunity. That applies now. to Everton more than it does to Azad Alkmaar. Is that you would expect he'll go with probably exactly the same team, um, which means most of them will be rested on on Thursday. It'd be nice to play Everton on on Sunday. Um, and, and you look yeah, at our upcoming think... fixtures. We have pretty on paper anyway, pretty easy easy fixtures coming up in the Premier League where realistically we need to be winning at least four or five of our next six games yeah and you've seen how these two wins against City and Spurs have suddenly propelled United into the top six and into again the the conversation about the top four and I think also will help is the fact that United have Colchester at home in the League Cup which means it's not a game where United are expected to put out a full strength side which means going into the festive period they can rest things a bit more United play on Boxing Day rather than having some some weird schedules where some teams play twice in 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 just a few days. United play the twenty sixth and twenty eighth, which is tricky. But then New Year's Day against Arsenal, so the schedule is hasn't been too harsh to United, uh, and it should be okay to deal with injuries. Obviously, injuries will probably define whether this festive period is a success. But as you say, the the, the challenge is to win against the small teams, and if the United do that, then suddenly they they could find themselves in the top four by twenty twenty. Yep. Because there are well, so many and realistically, you know, our next our next four Premier League games until that New Year's Day against Arsenal is, is Everton at home, Watford away, Newcastle at home, Burnley away. Realistically, you'd say we yeah. need to be winning all four of those games, and we should be winning all yeah. four of those games to keep this momentum up. And if United do, then there is no question that after that period, people would start expecting top four rather than seeing it as some kind of 
distant possibility because if, if United do win those, they, yeah. they will probably be in the top four because Chelsea are um, yeah. starting yeah, to based get... Yeah, based on what everyone else is doing. It's like yeah. no one wants to be in the top four at the it's, moment. It's so easy to climb the table at the moment. The gap to Liverpool is absolutely enormous. Even the gap to Leicester and is, is, is big as well. But beyond that, it's very easy to start climbing the table. We, uh, we're we going to have to wrap things up there. On the Manchester United Weekly Podcast, thank you as always for listening. Um, it is, a, as Jack says, a, a celebratory week. Fantastic week. The best of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's period. And the best for United for God knows how long. Even under Jose Marina, there were some excellent weeks. There were some brilliant wins away in Turin, away at City, whatever. But this was this was a particularly magical week and weekend. So um, we can we can celebrate that. For more from Jack throughout the week, as we play Azed and Everton, you can find him on Twitter at... At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me on Twitter at Harry Robinson 64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. Thanks as always for listening. Enjoy the, the gloating of the week to your workmates or whoever are City fans and potentially Spurs fans as well. Goodbye. Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.